Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Peter Nolan from Permission Whiskey coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is a beverage consultant who has created the cocktail and other offerings for some of Houston's top bars and restaurants. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? Living my best life. I'm so glad to hear that. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Chris Williams, the chef and owner of Lucille's in the Museum District, is going to open Ratto Market and Cafe inside Third Ward's historic El Dorado Ballroom. Uh, this is a a venue that dates back to about 1939. It is located at the corner of Elgin and Emancipation. And Chris and Lucille's have been retained by Project Row Houses, the nonprofit that owns the ballroom, to do three concepts. Upstairs is the El Dorado Ballroom, a live music venue. Downstairs is an art gallery. And most relevant for our discussion is Ratto Market and Cafe, a restaurant that takes some of its inspiration from local foods. It will serve Italian-style sandwiches. It'll have a market with products by local vendors. It'll do picnic baskets because it's right across the street from Emancipation Park. Um, Food by Don Burrell, who is Chris's partner in late August, a restaurant that is opening pretty soon in Midtown. Uh, Linda, I know that's that's a lot, but but let me throw it to you. I mean, what do you what do you think about this this idea of Chris Williams and Don Burrell kind of putting their spin on? I mean, Chris Chris told me he's like I I really like local foods and I wanted to do my version of it for Third Ward. What do you think? Do you actually think that people are starting to hear hear us out that we need more motherfucking delicious sandwiches? <laughs> I, I think maybe they are. <laughs> Because there's quite a few. I mean, we could, you know. I mean, look, I am excited. I live, I mean, you and I live in that, kind of in that neighborhood a little bit. Like we adjacent. Do. I, I mean, I live I live right down the street from this. I don't I don't mind saying that. I, I live in that area. Yeah, I mean, so do I. And I love, love, love seeing more businesses over there. I mean, I drive, you know, I drive to the gym down Emancipation. And every time I'm like, God, I wish I had something on the way. You know what I mean? Other than the two other little janky spots over there. I mean, there is that little that little coffee shop. But um, first off, I love seeing great people opening them really cool concepts because it's not just the same operators, the same people. I hope they have good cocktails. Well, I I think I think it's going to be beer and wine. To be honest with you, they're going to okay. have a fun. They're going to have a fun wine program and they want to do wine classes with local sommeliers like Chris, Chris Williams mentioned Chris Shepard as, as one I'd love to have Chris Shepard in to do a wine class because then. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think that read the neighborhood and that's, I'd say that to anyone that opens up a restaurant, a bar, know your hood, you know, what's going to sell. How are you going to support the community? How are they going to support you? Well, and, and to Chris Williams' credit, he lives. He also lives in Third Ward, so this yeah. Is, so he he knows. Uh, yeah, I think I think um, I'm excited to see that project. More sandwiches, hell yeah! Let's do this. 
Well, yeah, and, and the other thing is, you know, this this idea of historic preservation, right? That that this this ballroom that hosted like BB King and Ray Charles and and these legendary artists from the forties, fifties, and sixties has been revived. Too often, too often, buildings like this in Houston get torn down, yeah, instead of renovated. And he, they put in. He was he was really funny. He called it twenty thirty sound and lights. So, you know, if, if he, and he's, he's going after big game. He's like, I want to get, I want to get Herbie Hancock in there. So you could be a third ward jazz ensemble, you know, or an R and B act or something and play with this professional quality equipment that, that you may not have had, you may not have had access to without the Eldorado being reopened. So I, I think that's a really cool part of this. And then the market, you know, it'll have wine, but it'll also have, other food products from local minority owned businesses. So I don't, I don't know exactly like what it's going to stock, but you know, if they can kind of go on, on a little bit of like the Henderson and Kane model where, you know, you could get, you know, I don't know, oh, tamales, you know, tamale, tamales from Cochinita and co or uh, <laughs> sauces from this guy or whatever, like whatever he does, like however Chris equips yeah. this market, more access for these vendors and bringing these products in a third word for the first time. Yeah. You know, I'm in favor of all that. And then the, the one other thing he's doing that's really cool that I just want to mention is he's partnering with Kindred Spirits, which is a, a bookstore in the third ward. And every month they're going to do a different cookbook where you can buy the book and the ingredients to make some of the book's recipes. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I think that's going to be really fun for people because, you know, you may, you may look at, you know, like he mentioned, there's a new Senegalese cookbook that just came out. And you may look at some of those ingredients and either either not be familiar with them or not know, like I, you know, which which African market in West Houston do I have to, you know, I got to drive buy this book. I got to drive 25 miles to get to get the ingredients to make. It's like no, no, we're gonna we're gonna help you out. We're gonna make it easy for you. He talks about access and education, right? Because if you you're not going to be interested in in educating yourself about better food choices if you don't have access to better food. So it's I mean, all part of a project. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that like, so I've been in this neighborhood for nine years, and it's you know we got we got rid of the fiesta here. You know, there really isn't. It's it's kind of a food desert, and specifically there. And so, if you have more access to ingredients, it's I mean, it's just helpful for the community as a whole. Right, exactly right, right. There's that H E B on McGregor. Yeah. But you know, that's only one that's only one in the in sort of the immediate area. So yeah. More and better and local is always good. Of course. All right. Let us move on to topic number two. Seattle's Dozone Dumpling House announced that it is opening two Houston locations. One that is coming to the former Ibiza space in Midtown this summer. And a second that is coming to the Galleria area, uh, conveniently right near in Boulevard Place, right near the uh, Ninfas in Uptown that you helped open. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have we have a friend, our friend Nathan, who used to live in Seattle, and is like, I'm so excited. We ate there when when I lived there. We ate there all the time, and you start reading the reviews from people in Seattle, the the food writers up there. And they say it's better than Din Tai Fun. What? Don't play. Don't play. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I think that is a decision that we will have to make 
for ourselves, but we don't have Dintai. Like they have Dintai Fung in Seattle. We do not have it in Houston. It is number one on my list of, it's number one on my list of restaurants I want to come to Houston. Yeah, I have. I mean, I've been to Din Tai Fung in two other cities. So, like, uh, come with it, big boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I went to Sandong last night, yesterday, for lunch in Chinatown. Anything that gets things closer to me, Sandong is a noodle house literally out, out the freaking door out the door like bustling packed amazing dumplings beet noodle soup great if we have that in downtown yes <laughs> well and right really- and there are like there there are a couple of places right there's yeah there's taste of mulan which used to be called one dim sum oh so good there's so wanabao which i think has really tasty soup dumplings izakaya does soup dumplings as part of their yeah, yeah. so I don't quite know how Midtown became the neighborhood other than Chinatown that has soup dumplings. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird to me that, that, but, but I'm here for it. And, and if, and if Dozone lives up to this reputation that is earned in Seattle, if they can execute in Houston at the same level that they do in Seattle, we can't have as a city, we can't have too many choices for soup dumplings. I want, no, let's food. party. No, I'm about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and what's what's really funny is like, I was I was showing an Austinite for a couple of weeks, Houston, and he would always order soup dumplings at places, and I'm like, no, dude, you can't order soup dumplings here. He's like, no, but they're on the menu. I'm like, no, dude, you can't order soup dumplings because they're just not that good. And it was kind of one of those things. It's like, all right, let me take you, and I took took him to. Um, taste of Mulan I was like you see this this is this is right, right. you know th- this isn't the the bet like is it isn't the it's like a one like a seven out of ten but like this is closer so if these guys can hit the ten or even the nine or an eight let's do this yeah and you know I think I think most of the people listening to the show probably are familiar with the idea but it's a, it's a tricky thing to balance because you have to have a wrapper that's easy enough, like thin enough that you can, you know, punch a hole in it and sip the broth out, but not so thin that it, like when you pick it up, it just falls apart. Yeah. I mean, the way that I look at it is the marker of a good soup dumpling is it looks like your grandma's grandma's hand, like the skin, like that's what it should be. That, that that's that's the texture and the and the thinness of that like a little old lady's hand. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said hand. Uh, you, I was really nervous. I was really nervous. I'm so glad you said hand. Hand, hand, hand. You know, hand. Yes, come on. Good. What do you think? What kind of savage do you think I am? Like I, I know exactly what kind of savage you are, and that's why I was nervous. All right. Topic number three. Verde Garden. A Tex-Mex patio bar from the Kirby Group, which is to say the owners of places like Heights Beer Garden, Wooster's Garden, Holman Draft Hall, opens this week. Well, by the time by the time this podcast comes out, will be open in the Harlow District, which is the new restaurant-oriented development on the site of the old Nino's and Vincent space on West Dallas. 
Verde Garden is actually in the Grappino de Nino space. So it's huge. It's got like 9,000 square feet inside, a 10,000 square foot patio, and all of the usual Kirby group tricks, right? A cocktail bar, a beer bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Food bar. Yeah, but here's, the, but, but here's, here's why I'm intrigued, right? Are they going to, I mean, are they going to fix their service? Because uh, I feel like I never get service at any of their concepts like they're the cocktails are good the freaking oh i'm gonna get i'm gonna get torn up for this <laughs> no no go ahead keep going no, i mean like i i love those bars because they're really great for groups you know like if you're gonna go somewhere and there's gonna be 10 or 12 man they're the spaces are gorgeous playlists are good like the cocktails are badass but i just never get any freaking service yeah, they're pitching this as as definitely restaurant oriented, and they hired recently Petty Lopez, who had been part of Ronnie Killen's organization for years, Ooh. to do the food. So Teddy okay. did kind of barbecue and some uh, and some sandwiches for Bayou Heights, their their new spot on Washington Avenue, and then he's doing Tex Mex at Verde Green, so ceviche, enchiladas, tacos, tortas, that kind of stuff, chips and queso. So that alone. Right, like oh, and Teddy helped. Teddy helped Ronnie with Killen's TMX, the restaurant in Pearland. Yeah. So, I mean, if anything, if anything, what it sounds like to me is that they're 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 taking a turn because their first one was Holman, right? Well, Wooster's so, was first. I'm sorry, Wooster's, 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 Wooster's is the first, and it didn't have any food. And you know, as we all know in Houston that's the that's the marker right that's the marker that you're really like if you if you're thoughtful about your food or have any food option and there's great drinks and i mean i've looked at the freaking pictures it looks gorgeous i mean they're they might have a a winner so yeah i mean they don't really open places that aren't very popular right like you go past go past bayou heights go past heights beer garden go past holman go past Pitch 25 and Edo, you know, yeah. on any, especially on the weekends, they're always busy. So yeah. they, they understand who their customers are very well, you know, to your point about from earlier. So I think they, I think they understand what they're looking for, right? Uh, my, in, in my vision, it's like a more casual, it's like more casual than El Tiempo uh, with way better drinks, right? Because if yeah. you're going to, if you're going to knock El Tiempo for anything, it's at the, the cocktails are a mixed bag, Ugh. but I'm being nice. But I mean, but but, but the Kirby not, group the cocktails, good. the Kirby group, the cocktails <laughs> are always really, really good. So you'll have that. You'll have that aspect. Teddy knows this food well. I'm excited to try it. I think the I think the food's going to be good, and you know it'll be it'll be it'll be fun. I'm I, I think there's a lot going on for. Uh, yeah, I mean, you in and that, I have in that even, whole area right now. I mean, you and I haven't even been there, and we're already sent. We already we have sent a group of people to them like this last week. You know, we did, whatever we did because they were because they were they were they were out for dinner and they wanted something. They wanted a cocktail bar. It was a Saturday night. It's like, well, Anvil and Refuge are going to be super crowded. You're probably not going to go. You were you're west of the Galleria. You're probably you, you don't really want to go to the Heights. So, you know, so that rules out like Easy's and Johnny's. So, yeah, go check out this new spot because, you know, because, you know, the owners and, you know, there are other places and and that that's what they did. And they look like they had a great time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, here we are. Let's go. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, Linda, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about two places, kind of a high-low theme this week. Let's start with March. This is the Goodnight Hospitality Fine Dining Restaurant above Rosie Cannonball. Uh, they have recently introduced their Greek menu. That's that's what they're doing for spring of 2023. You and I went at, at their invitation as their guests for uh, the nine-course tasting menu along with wine pairings, snacks in the bar, the whole shebang. The shebang. The whole enchilada. <laughs> Linda, let me, let me just ask you, I mean, people people message me all the time, right? They're looking for someplace for a special occasion, a birthday, an anniversary, a promotion. Would you go to March as as one of the as one of the possibilities for for celebrating a special occasion? I don't know how to tell anybody this, but if you're not, if, if you want to really, if you really want to be wowed by the, I mean, those guys are firing on all cylinders, service, timing, lighting, ingredient use, the details. It is fucking spectacular. And you know, you and I go out quite a bit. I travel quite a bit. When you go into that dining room, from well, from the beginning, from like the hand towels to wash your hands, from the, uh, my martini was getting warm because I wasn't drinking it fast enough. They refreshed the glass. You know what I mean? Like the music, the lighting. And like, honestly, I did fine dining. That's where I came from. Like that was my background. I fucking hate tasting menus. They're, I, I feel like they're tedious. Nobody knows how to time it well. These guys were just on it. So... If you haven't had an experience and you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to, you need to, you need to celebrate or you, or you need to wow someone. This is the place. This is not first date shit. This is not first date shit. You don't, you don't mess around with just anybody. There's no gambling here. This is, it's, it's an incredible experience. Right. No, if you wanted to do a first (laughs) date at March, you can just go for drinks in the bar. Yeah, and yeah, I think, yeah, and I think that's a pretty impressive place to have drinks, and and yeah. I've taken dates there, and I and I, but yeah, no, this is this is more like an anniversary or like in a new relationship. Maybe you make it to six months, something like that. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's I mean, it's pricey, but it's I mean, it's worth it's worth every every bit. Um, I do, and I have said this to to other people before because not everybody wants to do that high of a that that experience you know um in the dining room man just the cocktails and the snacks right now just the snacks the snacks and cocktails that dining i mean that little cocktail lounge i don't know how busy it gets but like it's it's worth it it's such a great it's a great experience i mean my buddy that um used to work for tiffany's i mean this that's all he did was tiffany's like luxury and he's when i took him there he's like ah oh, this feels like London. He's like, ah, oh, this feels like, he's like, this feels like Singapore. Like he was the, the, the guy that, ah, oh, I don't even feel like I'm in Houston. Like that's that experience. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think that's all well said. I think it's an interesting time for fine dining, right? Like we all, we all watched the bear, which made fun of some of the conventions of fine dining. And then we all watched the menu, which just took fine dining apart. It's very satirical, very funny, dark comedy. So there is this kind of conversation going on, like, like is fine dining relevant? You know, yeah. and, and and I had June, uh, June Rodil and Felipe Riccio on the show, and we kind of, from March, and we kind of talked through that a little bit. But but my comparison, you know, I, I, I encountered someone recently who said, you know, my friends of mine went there. It's a nine course menu is $245. The wine pairings are a hundred bucks or 200 bucks if you get the premium wine pairings, which means that your dinner for two is going to run you something like a thousand dollars after the tip. And you could get, you can get the six, six courses is, uh, is less. Six courses is, uh, six courses is 185. But, but still, that's a $500 dinner for two. So how do you, how do you justify that? And my response essentially was, look, like people spend, it's, it's an experience and it's entertainment, right? Yep. If like, look at all the people sitting behind home plate at an Astros game, you know, those seats cost a lot of money, right? You want to sit on the, on court side at a Rockets game. Those seats cost a lot of money. Taylor Swift was just here. You want to be on the floor. You couldn't get him. You couldn't oh get him God. through the, through the presale. It could be a thousand dollars or more. So, yeah. And, and we don't, we don't, we don't criticize those the prices of those experiences. We understand that that it's a premium experience. So you can go to Rosie Cannonball at happy hour and have a pizza for 15 bucks and get some of the same ingredients and some of the same technique that, that's happening upstairs at March. Or you can sit courtside for nine courses and have your mind and just be wowed by the attentiveness of the service and the the beauty of the room and, and the quality of the meal but it's going to cost you. And, yeah. and if you love food and you love restaurants, it's a price you're, you will be willing to pay. Not all the time. Like this is not, this is not like, I mean, far be it for me for, to tell people who have more money than I do how to spend theirs. But I don't think of this as just like, Oh, it's Wednesday. Let's go to March. I don't think that's how most people treat it. But if you, if you are looking for that celebratory, something, something different, something out of the norm, it, this is a very valid choice. I don't want to go too much longer on this, but did you do you what do you have one or two dishes that really stand out from our our meal? No, the whole thing, the whole thing, the snacks, the whole the whole thing was a you know like come on, just let the let other people tell us what they think, you know. <laughs> well, I I mean I I think I think a couple of the ones that just that because they're taking you know Greek food like we all you know we've all been to Nico Nico's we've all been to kind of Greek diners all over the country like. We have opinions about what a spanakopita is supposed to taste like, or a moussaka, or a souvlaki, and that they're ambitious enough to sort of take these on and put a spin on them, and for them to be just delicious, like just raw horsepower. This tastes great. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's brave in a way. I I think it's I admire the ambition of it. Well, and I mean, I think there's something to be said about when you go to Demarco, like Demar Demarco's. You know, DeMarco's, they haven't changed their menu. It's always the same. It's consistent. With March, they they work on they work on their dishes months in, in advance because they're developing the next the next menu. So that's what's really great about that experience. This is that I have other friends that eat for sport as well, like we do. 
And, you know, my girlfriend was like, oh, we went, we've been to March twice. And she's like, I just didn't like the first menu. And I think one of the things that was told to by someone else that has tried a lot of their menus, I said that this is, this was the best menu that they've had. And I think that it's kind of like, they've worked on some things, you know what I mean? And I think that sometimes, you know, just like with anything else, you know, like when Anvil first opened or what, you know, whatever, like everyone kind of like, is it always going to be like firing on all cylinders? But it, but this menu right now is really terrific. Yeah, no, I I, th- I think that's fair, right? March opened in uh, March of 2021. So this is, you know, they do two menus a year. So this is the fifth menu, I think. Yeah. And to Felipe's credit, they've added some, you know, Goodnight just keeps adding really talented people to its rosters of, of chefs and management. So the, these collaborations, this dialectic of this this group of people working together is producing some really stunning food. And and like you, the feedback I got when I posted about going to March on social media was I've had two of the previous menus or I've had three of the previous menus or whatever. This is the best version. So, yeah. so for people who've been viewing it kind of skeptically or they, they look at the price, they like, they wonder if it's worth it. Now's the time. All right. Next one. <laughs> All right. Linda, for our second restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Mimo. This is a very casual, very humble Italian restaurant in the East End. It's in the former Canawam space on Telephone Road. It's it's sort of opening in stages. So right now, it's mostly just open for lunch, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They've done a couple of Sunday services. They've done a couple of dinner pop-ups, but it's it's not it's not fully open yet. And it comes to us from Mike Sammons, who... He's been on the show a couple of times over the years. He's uh, a founder of 13 Celsius, a founder of Weights and Measures. Uh, he opened How to Survive on Land and Sea. And and the chef that he's working with is Fernando Rios, who uh, was at DeMarco for a long time and then was at Weights and Measures for a long time. And they're doing this like... And, kind of... and, and the pizza place. Oh, and Dolce Vita. Yeah. So he was... So it's funny. I walk in to have lunch over there. I rode my bike over there and I walk in and I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, I cannot believe you opened up your own place. And he looks at me and he's like, guess what? I did it by myself. He's like, I opened up this place by myself. And he's literally worked for Titans. He's did DeMarco. He did. He opened up Dolce Vita. He stayed from all the way through then he did weights and measures. This guy knows how to fucking cook. If you had any of that food anywhere, that's him. And I walked in and I was like, when are you going to fucking open for dinner? He's like, can you just give me a minute? He's like, I've been working really hard for the last couple of years. Can you just like let me chill for a bit? He's like, we're just opening for lunch. Everyone's talking about the sandwiches. I am a sucker for a sandwich, but I ended up having pasta instead because he recommended it. Well, and, I, and that's yeah. not a bad choice because he makes absolutely beautiful pasta. He real, I mean, it's really good. It's really, really good. And I asked him, I was like, I was like, hey, pendejo, why the fuck aren't you doing pizza? And he's like, well, you know, like, I'm just, I kind of, you know, I want to be respectful to my neighbor neighbors down there because they're going to be doing pizza too. And I was like, can you shut up already? What are you talking about? You make 
the most awesome pizza. Take your money, boo boo. <laughs> I was like, get your, get you, get, make that money. And he just like looks at me and he's like, God damn it. He's like, I fucking hate it when you come in here, talk to me like that. And I'm like, what? You're good at it. The pizza's good. He's like, okay, maybe I'll, I was, he's like, I was looking at some ovens the other day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say, so I've, I've been in, I've been in a couple of times just for sandwiches, right? An Italian beef, a porchetta, a mortadella with salsa verde and and mozzarella. The ingredient, the ingredient use, the ingredient. the ingredient use, the ingredient use is fantastic. The balance, they're getting this great, like super crusty sourdough from cake and bacon. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and they're doing like you know for the they did an Easter menu that had this like very delicious block of like you know fried mozzarella like the, the like the best mozzarella stick you've ever had lightly dressed lightly dressed salad beautifully seared lamb chop poppered al pasta tusum al dente all of the things you want hearty bolognese all of the things and then there's mike kind of running the show in the dining room pouring you this italian wine that he's super excited about that that's you know 12 bucks a glass or 15 bucks a glass like it's a good value it's a very good value and what i really like about what they have is they have a white a white a rosé and a red all for nine dollars those are the house wines and then you have other options too so they're thoughtful cute dining room it's a great little spot yeah it's a it's a great little spot and i you know i i've been sort of in and out of there for you know lunch on a friday lunch on a saturday that kind of thing while they're kind of getting their sea legs under them, I'm I'm ready for dinner service. I know, I know that that's coming. And yeah, so, we got, yeah, we got to give them a minute. Blah blah blah. I'm like, fine, right. fine. Wait. He's like, I just, I'm not. He's like, I'm not ready. He's like, I've been working really hard. <laughs> right, but but it is it is a it is a new restaurant that I'm very excited about, and I know that you enjoyed it. So and and you know to say we have both known Mike Sammons for many years and. And just have tremendous respect for him as a hospitality professional. So anything he does is always worth paying attention to. Yeah. Both those boys. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Linda, that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks. All right. And I'll be right back with Peter Nolan. I am joined this week by the owner of Permission Whiskey, a bar in the Heights, Peter Nolan. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good, good, Eric. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for doing this. Happy to. When, whenever I have someone on the show for the first time, I always like to kind of dive into the history of their career. I think that's always a good starting point. So, so tell me a little bit about your background. Like, How did you wind up in the hospitality business? So I wound up in the hospitality business because, uh, for lack of... Uh, more explanation than I need to give you. I just kind of, uh, it's all I know. Um, I was in college at Kentucky in business school at the University of Kentucky. And there was a restaurant there at the time that opened and it was brand new. And, you know, in college, you're making, you know, three or 400 bucks a night. It was a pretty good gig. And so I was working overtime there. And uh, while I was in business school, I was going to debt on school and making good cash at the restaurant and it was just more fun overall so i ended 
ended up uh, taking a larger role in that company and dropping out of college and doing that full time. And after X amount of years, my family kind of migrated down. And when um, when I had run my course up there, I kind of decided to be closer to family, came down here and jumped into the management side of a couple different restaurants and, and whatnot, like Peli Peli and Crew, a wine bar and uh, Smith Walensky. Yeah, I mean, you were right. You were at Smith of Walensky for a little bit. You were at Federal Grill for a long time, right? Oh yeah, Federal. That was that was the run. I was there for six six years with Matt Bryce. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think of that as kind of one of the kind of pioneering whiskey programs. You know, he inherited yes. some of that from uh, Branchwater Tavern when he when he took over that space. But but you know, obviously, it was a, a big focus for Matt. So. Maybe talk about your time at Federal Grill a little bit and kind of kind of how you how you helped shape what they had going on over there. Yeah, so so Matt Matt's a, a great guy and a really hard worker, and he also moves very quickly. I walked in there when it still had a Branchwater Tavern sign on the wall, and he interviewed me and hired me, and then told me that it wasn't Branchwater anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, they had a good whiskey collection and they were really crafty. And uh, the building itself is just, it's all wood and nooks and crannies and very inviting for the whiskey bar kind of concept. Um, and so we just, we just boosted it up from there on out. And Matt was so busy running the kitchen that he kind of let me run uh, the bar with my own steam there. And we, man, we ramped that up. I don't even know how many whiskeys we had at the end, but it was, I think it was over three or 400. Yeah. Pretty good I'm- stuff. And and I mean you you kind of yada yada it, but you, like you said, you went to college in Kentucky, so like whiskey is you know as as a spirit, like that's kind of your jam. Yeah, it's I mean obviously it's readily available up there, but it's it's the culture. It's very it's a very round culture, and um, you know whiskey enthusiasts have a great time chasing things down in Kentucky. You don't have to run that far to to chase down a really good bottle. So naturally, people up there are drinking great <laughs> great whiskey all the time. Uh, and coming down here, it was, you know, it's it's an extended game chasing whiskey around Houston. But being from Kentucky and and knowing master distillers and my way around uh, several of the distilleries really helps. Yeah, so I guess let's let's pivot to permission. I mean, you know, you you know, you take over uh, this little spot in the Heights, and and you're you're opening like in high pandemic. I think you were, you know, you right. I think you. I think you technically had to open as a restaurant to, to get around whatever like yeah, restrictions we, were still in place. Yeah, uh, yeah that was hor- horrible. <laughs> well, but, but I mean, kind of, you know, look back on that with me a little bit and, and kind of, you know, what do you remember from kind of the opening days of, you know, being a bar at a time when there, there just frankly weren't that many bars. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where it was, it's my first, it's my, it's my baby. It's my first thing. And you're, you have it all planned out and you kind of have this idea that when you open your doors, you know, the guests are going to make it what it is in the end anyway, a little bit. And so you're like, man, I hope I just don't burn this thing down. I hope I don't mess this thing up. And as we got closer and closer, COVID happened, which was obviously bad for productivity, but it was good for giving me a lot of time uh, to myself to think because we're all isolated and whatnot. But when we opened our doors, it was September 23rd of 2020. So there was, you know, the big political thing and what are you going to do? And our capacity was 50%. And that year, actually, we had the pandemic. We had the freeze. 
we had a flood, a freeze, and a pandemic all at the same time. So I thought maybe I was paying the price or something. <laughs> 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 we had a couple nights where it looked like a soup kitchen. There was like a line at the door, and people had blankets wrapped around them, and it was just freezing, and everybody had masks on. And I was like, no. I was like, what did I do? <laughs> Uh, but we made it out. You know, we had a lot of supporters that had, came in from day one, and they they still come in a couple times a week, and they're uh, they're basically family to to myself and my staff. And and White Oak itself is an amazing it's an amazing neighborhood. So, well, and and I think one of the reasons that you kind of took off the way you did is because you know if you think about kind of the bars that are near you, right? Whether that's you know Little Woodrow's or some of the other mm-hmm. you know some of the other places they're pretty casual. Yes. And, and you, you're not, you know, you have chandeliers and nice booths and, you know, a really elegant back bar. And and so, you know, talk a little bit about kind of, kind of making that decision about the kind of environment you wanted to create. So a big deal, something that we took uh, from the federal days this year, you're brushing, you know, elbows with people who they, you know, they do spend a lot of money on drinks and they do like a really nice atmosphere, but at the end of the day, we're all kind of drinking together anyway, um, and we drink casually. And it doesn't matter where you drink or what kind of chandeliers you have, and you know what, what's in your glass, as long as the service is good and there's camaraderie. So we did go, we did go kind of the velvety plush um, texture that you do find in a lot of like Kentucky bourbon bars, not so much like a Texas whiskey bar. Um, and so a lot of people aren't familiar with that necessarily, and they think that it's like very stuffy and high end and hoity toity, but Honestly, we we have people that open a tab at permission. They run down to Christian's tailgate, pop a couple shots, check on the game. They run back. <laughs> you don't come back in the door. <laughs> they, they, you know, it's a pretty symbiotic relationship with uh, all the bars and restaurants around. Even Fubin, Fubin next door, they sell you know they sell pho and, and bon mis, and people are sneaking them over and coming over. And the owners are there, great people. So between us and Cultivar Ume and. Uh, Christians and all, I mean, Bobcat Teddy's even, we, we have a pretty, pretty great relationship with everybody on the street. Yeah. It's, it's become like a really nice community. I mean, I had William Farley on last week. He's at Padres wine, which just opened up down the street from you. You know, it's, it's real easy to imagine a night where you start at your place or at Padres, you eat at cultivare, carne, handies, you know, something like that. Uh, and then you finish it, whichever bar you didn't, right. You, you finish it easy right. or permission or Potter, you know, there's this yeah. really nice symbiotic relationship going on right now. Yeah. It's cozy. It's a, we got a lot of people that drive in from Katie and, and further out, but we also have a ton of people who just, they live right across the street and they, they'll come over for literally they'll, they'll borrow things from our kitchen, like a cup of sugar or whatever. Um, but you have that and then you have people on date nights and whatnot. So there's a lot of people kind of milling around and it, it's, it reminds me a lot of white linen night, on like a, on a reduced level, you know, cause people don't really have a destination necessarily, but you can pop in and out from one place to the next and, you know, have a small plate, have a glass of wine, have a whiskey, uh, and then call it a night. You know, the other thing we should talk about is, you know, you, you become really known for your cocktails, right? You do a, you do an old fashioned that's, you know, very highly thought of and, and an espresso martini <laughs> and some of the, some of the other things. So, so kind of talk about, you know, building that, that cocktail menu and, and kind of figuring out what, what was going to define permission, like other than, yeah, we've got, you know, 500 whiskeys on the back bar. Uh, so, you know, we do, we do have 
over 500 whiskeys on the back bar, and that's definitely the draw. But when it comes to agave, we've got a, you know over 100 of those, and we've got a really good hand selection. And we have we have a lot of bottles. I think we have we have 850 bottles that's on the wall. Yeah, I think you told me once. I think you told me once. I like buying. I like buying liquor. Yeah, I do. I really like it. Um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> you know, going to all the distilleries and whatnot. You you see how much science goes into it, and then how much trust they have to have in the process, and kind of it's a it's a meeting of art and art and science a little bit. And uh, so that being said, we love we love that aspect, almost the religion of whiskey uh, in the bottle on the wall. But when it comes to cocktails. Our cocktails are, they're not simple, but they are straightforward and they are boozy. A lot of cocktail drinking that we did in Kentucky, there wasn't, there was creativity to it, but it always remained spirit forward. Uh, so our cocktail menu is always, it's going to be riffs on classics. It's going to be like strong, balanced, but boozy cocktails. A lot of, a lot of classics. And, um, and we do pretty well with that. The espresso martini uh, trend lately is just ridiculously crazy. <laughs> it's absolute drugs. So. Yeah, I I honestly can't think of another cocktail trend that just became so ubiquitous so quickly. I'm outside of yeah. like, of course, this is Houston, so of course you're gonna have an old fashioned, of course you're gonna have a margarita, but I I have no idea like how espresso martinis became so trendy, and and I I right, I mean it's fine. Like I I'm not I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm I'm just I'm just yeah. confused, Peter. That's all. <laughs> we, are, we are too we aside from the old fashioned espresso martini is our second most popular cocktail on the menu which is odd because it's a vodka based cocktail um but it is i mean i'm a coffee lover i'm i'm an espresso martini lover it just it becomes fun for people it's almost like a player like a player like a playing card like a baseball card they go around they're like oof the one over here is this great this one over here has this garnish on it da, 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 da. and so they really they really do ramp them up and they'll tell you about it they're like Pete, I have to talk to you about this espresso martini. <laughs> like, oh, tell me all about it. And they'll give you a rundown of their favorites in town. So it kind of makes me have to go out and shop around and go check out other people's craft, which is fun. No, it's funny. Like, I, I was following this one influencer who was, like, raiding them around town. And she went somewhere and was, like, too boozy. And I was like, what are you? That's why I drink cocktails for the boot. Like, yeah, know, I don't understand. Yeah, they, they get really, they get really, uh. I mean, ours is great. I'm not gonna lie. We we make a really good one. We ours has uh, Bailey's in it. You can get it with Bailey's or without Bailey's. Uh, but we do. A, people call it all different kinds of things. They'll call it a Dolce. They'll call it a River Oaks espresso martini. Um, but they are really popular, and, and you do get we get guys drinking and we get girls. We'll get four guys drinking espresso martinis, and they'll follow it up with a good bourbon or something like that. And they tell, tell me it's like a, you know, it's like a course meal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Except they just ate dessert first. Right, right. I'm not here to judge. <laughs> right. No, you're here to sell. You're here to sell them liquor. I'm here to sell booze. So, I mean, I didn't. I didn't mean to skip over the spirit selection, but tell me about like putting that list together because you know, as you said, it used to be like like I'm old enough to remember when I could go into a store and buy like Weller Twelve Year or yes. Yamazaki Twelve Year or you know some of these other things, Blanton's like on a shelf, like they would just, they would just be there and you could walk, like you could buy it. Like you could buy Jack Daniels or, or, so sad. you know, vodka. And, and yeah. obviously that's not the case anymore. And, and right. everything is allocated. Everything's hard to find. Obviously it's easier having a, a bar uh, than being a consumer, but you know, how do you kind of source this stuff and, and 
decide like when to take something on or you know when to when to pass because it's the price has just gotten ridiculous. Right. Yeah. So I mean, we, we, when you have when you have hundreds and hundreds of whiskey on your wall, there's there's going to be some really high end stuff, and there's going to be some stuff that's a lot more affordable but still really really great. A lot of those bottles you're talking about, Lands and Taylor and Weller and all these things, they were like literally six or seven years ago we could get in ten of them a week, and now it's the kind of thing where you get one a month. So we do we do have a little bit easier of a time finding these bottles, but to be honest with you, they'll come in the door. And sometimes they're gone in 45 minutes. So we have, of the hundreds of whiskeys we have on the wall, I'd say probably 70% of them, we sell for 15 bucks a pour or less, um, which is great and pretty approachable. But then we do have we do have the sleepers, you know, that we have a hard time getting in. Buying power is a thing, you know. They're, nowadays, it's a little bit harder because a distributor will tell you, hey, we have a bottle that you've been looking for or two bottles that you've been looking for. We can get it for you, but you also have to buy like two cases of this other stuff that we typically don't carry. So there's a lot of money in it. We don't we don't get like a cash break or anything. It does make you have to hone your craft as far as like product knowledge um, on things that you hadn't previously carried. But the, I mean, if you, if you're not down for a little bit of a hunt, then then you know it's part it's part of the game. It's always been part of the game. Is is sneaking around town and finding drops and dusties and knowing the guy and maybe you gotta send him a christmas gift <laughs> or whatever it is <laughs> you, you really do man these guys know what they have they have really great whiskey and they're like so and you're like oh gosh here we go but uh it, it is all part of the game it's all it's all what you can find and who you know so do you have like a favorite find recently where you 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 pluck something off the shelf that surprised you <laughs> that's so that's a good that's a good question people tell me all the time like pete have you had this? Or, hey, I found this bottle. And you're like, oh, my God, that's a great bottle. Where'd you find it? And they're like, um, uh, I know I know a guy. Well, you know, I like to go out. And you're like, all right, tell me where you find that bottle. <laughs> so <laughs> lately, uh, lately, lately uh, you know, I have my nooks and crannies. Oh, Redbreast 27. Redbreast 27 is a bottle that you can find here and there. But that's been, lately, that's been one of the most popular bar uh, bottles at the bar. And it's, it's one of our favorite finds and it's Irish too. So it's not like, it's not necessarily a go-to. Um, but we do, we have found some, some of the good wellers, some of the single barrels, some of the one Oh sevens, and those are always going to have a place in my heart. Anything from Buffalo trace up there is going to be pretty good. And on the scotch level too, the scotch has just gotten, we have some pretty high end stuff. We've got a Glenlivet 80 on the shelf. We've got a lot of the McAllen ESCs and, uh, and whatnot. Those, those can be pretty hard to find too. And not a lot of people know about them. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say McAllen 18 is like, like if I, if I were treating myself to a really nice pour like that, that would be on the, that's on the short list of like happy 15, McAllen 18, Yamazaki 18. Sure. Like that's what I'm, I'm going to when I, when I feel like spoiling myself yes. a little bit. Yeah. And those, I mean, those obviously Yamazaki 18 is incredibly hard to find. Uh, Mac 18 was hard to find last year. And that became, you know, that used to be the, if you walked into any nice office, there was always a bottle of McAllen, you know, 12 or 18 on the shelf or a Johnny Blue and just kind of hanging out. Hey, you want a, hey, you want a whiskey? And now it's one of those things where you have to hide it. So I'd say, I'd say, uh, yeah, they're, they're getting increasingly hard to find. And then, you know, I think the other thing you've kind of become known for is, you know, whenever a celebrity like comes to town to promote their liquor brand, they seem to make their way to the, the permission bar. So 
you know, <laughs> you've hosted you hosted the Breaking Bad guys. You hosted Ava Longoria. Yeah. I mean, what what are the what are those nights like? They like to go up the. We've somehow going up the ladder at permission has become a thing. We used to uh, we used to sneak if we had a birthday in the house or we'd have we've had several proposals or whatnot. And sometimes we'll bring them back there and we'll put a shot of whiskey at the top of the ladder. And so we say, oh, let's all, let's have a celebratory round. And they'd be like, where's mine? And we're like, up the ladder. And so they had to go up the ladder. And I guess that at some point that became a thing, like the green chairs at permission, the ladder going up the ladder is a thing. So we had the Breaking Bad guys uh, come over and uh, Aaron Paul was pushing, <laughs> pushing Brian Cranston somewhat across the bar on the ladder. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. But yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. I think that we just we offer a nice a nice little uh, jumping off point. People come for an hour, hour and a half. They get to hang out. We don't really promote things or market any kind of appearances like that. So you never know who you're going to bump into. Um, and those are TV celebrities and movie celebrities. And we have whiskey celebrities in the in the meantime. We have distillers that come in. We've got the masters from Fuji Whiskey coming in next month uh, for a little takeover on the fourth and uh you know we have we have a lot of guys the guys from you know whether it's a master distiller or just ken from still austin walks in on a busy friday night and he's got a case of something you got to try or the barrel pick that we bought and it just turns into pretty much everybody in the house gets a shot of whiskey and you know everybody kind of gathers around so whether it's a celebrity celebrity or a local celebrity or just somebody that everybody knows it's kind of fun it's kind of fun to get them to get them back there put them up the ladder gather around that booth yeah, and I, I mean, the other thing you become known for is your uh, Kentucky Derby Day party. You know, like we said, you from Kentucky, there are several Derby Day parties around, but but I know it's become a real signature for you. So talk a little bit about kind of what y'all do and, and how you've kind of created that environment in, in a very short time. Sure, yeah. Um, so the thing about Kentucky is it, it's just naturally beautiful. And somehow when Keeneland runs or Churchill Downs runs, the weather just, it, it becomes perfect. The skies are blue. There's horses hanging out and, and there's fog on the fields and girls are wearing sundresses and big hats and guys are wearing ties and dapper suits and whatnot. Everything just kind of, it's you're like, oh my gosh, this culture is addictive. It's a, it's a religion. And so coming down here in Houston, I'm like, man, these parties are great. Like it's got a very polo vibe, a very derby vibe. But I was like, we can we can really nail this thing, you know, nail this thing down based on my experience from Kentucky. So we do have the derby party. We 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 open at noon. Um, we open pretty early, and we have live bluegrass music. We have a horse. We turf that entire patio section and do a tent. And we just wanted to be the vibe for that party is that when you get there, you're at the Kentucky Derby. It's not a derby themed party. It's the Kentucky Derby. We have challenge coins and makers mark and a mobile bar and, and we have you know we have photographers and everybody's there and they're pressed and proper and they look beautiful and we've got a guy playing the trumpet the you know the, the bugle for the for the derby taps and whatnot and it's just you're there it's like an all-encompassing kind of one-way ticket to the kentucky derby it's kind of how we like to look at it so what are you doing this year like it's got to get a little bigger every year so so what are yes you, what specifically <laughs> what specifically is on the agenda for for 23 we try not. We try to keep some secrets up our sleeve because we have so many repeat offenders at these parties. They they ask me. We we have people book the day after the derby party for the next year, and so we try to keep <laughs> some of the things secret. <laughs> I know I was like, "You wild animals," uh, but we do. You know, we've got. We like I said, we turf out that. We turf out that whole thing. We tent it, and we've got. Um, 
We've got Chai Boy that, you know, we've got Samir from Chai Boy. We're going to do some tea-infused cocktails outside. We've got a mobile bar for champagne and juleps. Uh, we've got live music. It's going to be fun. And then we've got, uh, you know, we've got some fresh pastries uh, set up out on pop-up out there. And then inside, you come inside, there's roses everywhere. And uh, it's a very, you know, we live in the, the race, obviously. Um, we do have a couple secrets up our sleeve. We always, we, we don't promote that we have a horse, but there's always a horse. Uh, there's always some fun games. We've got, uh, you know, with Danielle, the angry Houstonian, she's going to help us judge best hats and best outfits and whatnot. We have some great prizes for that. Um, always some ice sculptures from DLG and they always bring them in and there's a shot loose in there. And I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a historical kind of, kind of get together for, for about 12 hours on that day. Well, and, and Danielle's a good judge for, for best hat. She's appropriately glamorous. <laughs> she's, she's, she fits she's, that very well. She's, she's a, a staple. She'll, and she'll tell me too. She's like, Pete, what's up with this? And I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> she's like a, a personal critic that I like to, and, and a good friend of mine, but yeah, she'll be there. Um, she'll be there helping me judge, uh, hats and and whatnot and the cool thing about the hats is we tell people who obviously come in derby attire and they they all come fantastic but some of them are very designery and other ones are made at home and and each one has its own edge but i i gotta tell you neither one is is better than the other because we have women come in with derby hats that they made at home and they're stunning they're amazing and guys come in with goofy hats and stuff like that too and they're all everything goes everything goes on that day so we urge people we're like hey man get crafty get creative be funny be silly be sexy um for that day because it's that's all part of the vibe you know like you said you know you've been at this for getting on three years now i mean yeah you know what are your what are your goals i mean you look at you know some of the other successful bar owners in the city they they'll open another concept or they'll open a second location or they you know think about you know matt bryce i mean there's what like four or five federal girls now so uh <laughs> what are your goals i mean what you know do you do you have a do you want to do like a tiki bar do you want to do uh you want to do other permissions like permission woodlands or permission right. I mean, like what are, you, what are your plans? I think, I think in the future, definitely another permission, permission, something like uptown or permission, you know, woodlands or something like that is definitely on the radar because we, you know, we just, we like to touch different parts of town that make it you know more, more accessible for people to come and kind of share our culture uh, without driving so far. Um, in the next year here, we do have a little bit more of a clandestine, uh, project going on that's going to be you know upscale and cocktaily um and that'll be one of those things that you just kind of find yourself at a bar and then realize that it's attached uh to the permission brand and and that you stumbled onto it um and that's you know something that our our uh our fans and followers will kind of will kind of get a an earful on in here in a, probably about a month or so um so make for us to announce uh, but as far as permission, the brand, I think that we, you know, we're really comfortable just being a really approachable whiskey bar. I think that we want to keep buying and selling really great whiskey. I think that we want to keep being a part of our, uh, like guests lives on a daily basis and, and friends and family and whatnot. Um, but I, I definitely do think taking the brand to, to a very, um, just a very, you know, I don't know, like I can think of a better word than sturdy. I just want to really, a really sturdy, you know, baseline for for just a badass whiskey bar maybe two or three locations in houston and see see what the response is all right well let me let me let me wrap up with uh let me wrap up with this you know obviously you're part of a community of bars so so i feel like i i should ask you like what have you you know i, I know you get out around town a little bit like what have you 
what have you seen recently that that, that you're excited about or, or who who else do you think is doing a particularly good job these days man i you know what i've i've been blessed to have great friends in the industry and lately i've i've just been hanging out on a a friend basis with a lot of guys that work really really hard in houston and and i enjoy watching them succeed and i enjoy just hanging out sitting across the bar from them you know um i i had drinks the other day at muse i thought it was fantastic i had a good time i like the small plates obviously we have a symbiotic relationship with clarkwood and i love going to watch matt medina wear his cowboy hat and throw drinks around and wink at me and and whatnot um (laughs) uh, you know but it's just we those are the kind of things where i get i get excited about brands but i also love to see these guys just just do what they do you know and just just totally haul ass and make drinks and make people smile so um when people come through and they go to permission to i'm like where where are you coming from and they're like oh this place or that place i'm like all right next time you gotta take me with you um because we we do work really really hard at permission but also we love to watch watch other people succeed doing what we do so that we can share in that you know well, and and I follow enough bartenders on Instagram that it seems like a, a decent subsection of Houston hospitality people make their way to you. Yeah, whether it's for you know whether it's for happy hour, whether it's for one of the events, whether it's for something. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's got to be a nice compliment. Yeah, we. I mean, honestly, we love we love to treat the industry guys as best as we can. We we're definitely known for um, hospitality over everything. So if these guys come through, good day, bad day, they're covered in covered in whatever from their job or they have the day off and they just want to be treated really, really well. We do, we do love our industry guys and, and we try to, we try to keep them as close as possible. And they're always welcome definitely to, uh, to come hang out at the booth behind the bar, no reservation needed. They're going to walk right up to Brian. They're going to walk right up to, uh, you know, Wilson and, and whatnot. And they're going to, they're going to have a shot of whiskey in their hand. We, you know, Himanchu, Himanchu is a buddy of mine. He's always, You'll walk in the door and sometimes our fun game is we'll actually have a, a yingling and a shot of bourbon hiding for him by the time he gets through the door, you know, it's just because <laughs> when you're in industry, you take care of people so often and you're like, man, you do this day in and day out that it really feels nice when people see that from afar and then, uh, and they can give you the same kind of treatment. So. All right. Well, that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there anything that you would like to discuss that I haven't asked you about? I think um no I think that you know we're just really excited about the derby we've we've got a, a really cool May coming up um we've got uh the derby on the sticks and that's great we're selling that that ticket will be pretty well sold out here in about a week or so um but yeah if people just want to jump on our Instagram our, our Instagram is the way to go we we put a lot of distiller visits on there and sometimes it's, it's a, a week or two ahead but also sometimes it's hey tonight you know because we don't know where these guys are going to come through so I would I would urge people just to hop on there and uh, give us a follow and and check in on us and see what we're doing because this this summer is going to have a lot of surprises and a lot of a lot of really great things coming up. So we'll, we'll give people the account name so they know what to follow. Uh, the the Instagram is just Permission Whiskey. Um, so and we take all of our reservations on there too, and we do that so that we kind of always have a table for you. We try not to say no to anybody. Uh, so if you hop on there and just DM us, hey, we got four people coming through on Thursday, or we have ten people coming through on Friday, or hey, we're down the street. Is there a room? We we try to say yes absolutely every single time. So come up and see Tommy, and we'll get you a table, and we'll uh, we'll just start that relationship. All right. Well, Peter, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Oh, five gosh. easy questions, five short answers. <laughs> just say the first thing that comes to mind. Peter Nolan, what is your favorite distillery? Oof, Buffalo Trace. 
What is the first band you ever saw in concert? The first band uh, I saw Matasia, who is my first concert, is a rapper, nice. not a band, but that's first yes, first thing that, that popped counts. into my head. Yeah. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive thru. Oh, how dare you! <laughs> um, I'm a hoe for McDonald's. Uh, I'm not a big McDonald's guy, but I'm, I'll I'll hoe it up for McDonald's once or twice a month. <laughs> All right. What is the <laughs> what is the last TV show you binge watched? Ooh, um, the last TV show I binge watched was either Succession. Yeah, it's probably Succession, honestly. All right, and then finally, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Favorite Houston sports figure, past or present, would have to be. Oh man, I'm trying to think of a favorite. You know what? Um, honestly, I we got a lot of we got a lot of really cool NFL guys in. Um, but I was a soccer player for a long time, so I used to watch Brian Ching play. And whenever Brian comes through, it's just fun having a tequila with him. So I'd say that uh, on a yeah on a repeat basis, we see him a good amount, and it's just fun to shoot the shit. Yeah, Brian's great. Um, he's been a, he's been on the show before. Podcast oh, yeah. and I. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah, great guy. Super fun to drink with. All right, give us the website and the and the social media one more time for permission whiskey. The Instagram is uh, Permission Whiskey. Um, my my Instagram, if you want to follow me and all my distillery visits and drinking and whatnot, is Poor Pete, P-O-U-R underscore Pete. Uh, the website is www.permissionwhiskey.com. And on there, you can look at our, our menu. You can go through uh, some of our events and whatnot. I think we've got a Derby Day pop-up on there. And uh, yeah, that's it. All right, Peter, thank you so much. Eric, thank you very much for having me. I look forward to seeing you and uh, sharing a, a scotch or a, a Japanese with you as you uh, whiskey with you soon. Absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. I welcome your reviews. Like Katie Nolan used to say, only if they're five stars and only if they're nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.